Welcome to Mr. Kim Reads. James and the Giant Peach, written by Roald Dahl. Chapter twenty-three. In a flash, everybody was up on top. Oh, isn't it beautiful? They cried. What a marvelous feeling! Goodbye, sharks. Oh boy, this is a way to travel. Miss Spider, who was literally squealing with excitement, grabbed the centipede by the waist, and the two of them started dancing around and around the peach stem together. The earthworm stood up on his tail and did a sort of wriggle of joy all by himself. The old green grasshopper kept hopping higher and higher in the air. The ladybug rushed over and shook James warmly by the hand. The glowworm, who was at the best of times, was a very shy and silent creature, sat glowing with pleasure near the tunnel entrance. Even the silkworm, looking white and thin and completely exhausted, came creeping out of the tunnel to watch this miraculous ascent. Up and up they went, and soon they were high as the top of a church steeple above the ocean. I'm a bit worried about the peach, James said to the others as soon as all the dancing and the shouting had stopped. I wonder how much damage those sharks have done to it. Underneath, it's quite impossible to tell from up here. Why don't I go over the side and make an inspection? Miss Spider said. It'll be no trouble at all. I assure you. And without waiting for an answer, she quickly produced a length of silk thread and attached the end of it to the peach stem. I'll be back in a jiffy. She said, and then she walked calmly over to the edge of the peach and jumped off, paying out the thread behind her as she fell. The others crowded anxiously around the place where she had gone over. Wouldn't it be dreadful if the thread broke? The ladybug said. There was rather a long silence. Are you all right, Miss Spider? Shouted the old green grasshopper. Yes, thank you. Her voice answered from below. I'm coming up now. And up she came, climbing foot over foot up the silk thread, and at the same time tucking the thread back cleverly into her body as she climbed past it. Is it awful? They asked her. Is it eaten all eaten eaten all away? Are there great holes in it everywhere? Miss Spider clambered back onto the deck with a pleased but also rather puzzled look on her face. "You won't believe this," she said. "But actually, there's hardly any damage down there at all. The peach is almost untouched. There are just a few tiny pieces out of it here and there, but nothing more." "You must be mistaken," James told her. "Of course she's mistaken," the centipede said. I promised you, I'm not," Miss Spider answered. "But there are hundreds of sharks around us. They turned the water into a froth. We saw that great mouth opening and closing. I don't care what you saw," Miss Spider answered. "They certainly didn't do much damage to the peach." Then why did we start sinking?" the centipede asked. Perhaps we didn't start sinking," the old green grasshopper suggested. "Perhaps 
we were all so frightened that we simply imagined it. This, in point of fact, was closer to the truth than any of them knew. A shark, you see, has an extremely long, sharp nose, and its mouth is set very awkwardly underneath its face and a long way back. This makes it more or less impossible for it to get its teeth into a vast, smooth, curving surface, such as the side of a peach. Even if the creature turns onto its back, it still can't do it because the nose always gets in its way. If you have ever seen a small dog trying to get its teeth into an enormous ball, then you will be able to imagine roughly how it was with the sharks and the peach. It must have been some kind of magic. The ladybug said, "The holes must have been, must have healed up by themselves." Oh, look! There's a ship below us! Shouted James. Everybody rushed to the side and peered over. None of them had ever seen a ship before. It looks like a big one. It's got three funnels. You can even see the people on the decks. Let's wave to them. Do you think they can see us? Neither James nor any of the others knew it, but the ship that was now passing beneath them was actually the Queen Mary, sailing out of the English Channel on her way to America. And on the bridge of the Queen Mary, the astonished captain was standing with a group of his officers, all of them gaping at the great round ball hovering overhead. I don't like it," the captain said. "Nor do I." Said the first officer. Do you think it's following us? Said the second officer. I tell you, I don't like it. Muttered the captain. It could be dangerous, the first officer said. That's it! Cried the captain. It's a secret weapon. Holy cats! Send a message to the queen at once. The country must be warned. And give me my telescope. The first officer handed the telescope to the captain. The captain put it to his eye. There's birds everywhere, he cried. The whole sky is teeming with birds. What in the world are they doing? And wait, wait a second. There are people on it. I can see them moving. There's a a. Do I have this darn thing focused right? It looks like a little boy in short trousers. Yes, I can distinctly see a little boy in short trousers standing up there, and there's a there's a there's a, a sort of a giant ladybug. Now, just a minute, the first officer said, and a colossal green grasshopper. Captain, the first officer said sharply, Captain, please, and a mammoth spider. Oh dear, he's been at the whiskey again," Whis- whispered the second officer. "And an enormous, a simply enormous centipede," screamed the captain. "Call the ship's doctor," the first officer said. "Our captain is not well." A moment later, the great round ball disappeared into a cloud, and the people on the ship. Never saw it again. Chapter twenty-four. But up on the peach itself, everyone was still happy and excited. 
I wonder what we'll finish up this time, the earthworm said. Who cares, they answered. Seagulls always go back to the land sooner or later. Up and up they went, high above the highest clouds, the peach swaying gently from side to side as it floated along. Wimpy, wouldn't this be a great time for a little music? The ladybug asked. How about it, old grasshopper? With pleasure, dear lady, the old green grasshopper answered, bowing from the waist. Oh, hooray! He's going to play for us, they cried, and immediately the whole company sat themselves down in a circle around the old green musician, and the concert began. From the moment that the first note was struck, the audience became completely spellbound. And as for James, never had he heard such beautiful music as this. In the garden at home on summer evenings, he had listened many times to the sound of grasshoppers chirping in the grass, and he had always liked the noise that they made. But this was a different kind of noise altogether. This was real music. Chords, harmonies, tunes, and all the rest of it. And what a wonderful instrument the old green grasshopper was playing on. It was like a violin. It was almost exactly as though he were playing upon a violin. The bow of the violin, the part that moved, was his back leg. The strings of the violin, the last part, the part that made the sound, was the edge of his wing. He was using only the top of his back leg, the thigh, and he was stroking this up and down against the edge of his wing with incredible skill, sometimes slowly, sometimes fast, but always with the same easy flowing action. It was precisely the way a clever violinist would have used his bow. And the music came pouring out and filled the whole blue sky around them with magic melodies. When the first part was finished, everyone clapped madly, and Miss Spider stood up and shouted, Bravo! Encore! Give us some more! Did you like that, James? The old green grasshopper asked, smiling at the small boy. Oh, I loved it. James answered. It was beautiful. It was as though you had a real violin in your hands. A real violin? The old green grasshopper cried. Good heavens, I like that. My dear boy, I am a real violin. It is part of my own body. But, but do all grasshoppers play their music on violins the same way as you do? James asked him. No. He answered, not all. If you want to know, I happen to be a short horn grasshopper. I have two short feelers coming out of my head. Can you see them? There they are. They are quite short, aren't they? That's why they call me a short horn. And we short horns are the only ones who play our music in the violin style using a bow. My long-horned relatives, the one who have long, curvy feelers coming out of their heads, make their music simply by rubbing the edges of their top two wings together. They are not violinists, they are wing rubbers. And a rather inferior noise these wing rubbers produce too, if I may say so. It sounds more like a banjo than a fiddle. How fascinating this all is, cried James. And to think that up until now, I had never even wondered how a grasshopper made his sounds. 
My dear young fellow, the old green grasshopper said gently. There are a whole lot of things in this world of ours that you haven't started wondering about yet. Where, for example, do you think I keep my ears? Your ears? Why, in your head, of course. Everyone burst out laughing. Ah! You mean you don't even know that? Cried the centipede. Try again, said the old green grasshopper, smiling at James. You can't possibly keep them anywhere else. Oh, can't I? Well, I give up. Where do you keep them? Right here, the old green grasshopper said. One on each side of my tummy. It's not true. Of course it's true. What's so peculiar about that? You ought to see where my cousins, the crickets, and the candidates keep theirs. Where do they keep them? In their legs. One in each front leg, just below the knee. You mean you didn't know that either? The centipede said scornfully. You're joking, James said. Nobody could possibly have his ears in his legs. Why not? Because, because it's ridiculous, that's why. You know what I think is ridiculous? The centipede said, grinning away as usual. I don't mean to be rude, but I think it is ridiculous to have ears on the sides of one's head. It certainly looks ridiculous. You ought to take a peek in the mirror someday and see for yourself. Pest, cried the earthworm. Why must you always be so rude and rambunctious to everyone? You ought to apologize to James at once. Now that concludes this episode of Mr. Kim Reads. Join me next time.